That's Boomer, and this is Louie, and this is the Baseball Spy Podcast for Sunday, November 17th, 2019. Boomer, how's it going? Louie, it is, it is good, it is... I mean, we're, we're 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 wrapping up everything now. We got the the awards have come in. Uh, we got the free agency has started, and, and of course, last night the Premier Twelve finished up. So I, I believe now there is no more baseball left to play, except if you're in one of these winter leagues. Yep. Um, we're not going to be covering those. No, <laughs> it's too hard. It's uh, um, but yeah. But for for the listeners, uh, winter ball. There's, there's a Puerto Rican league, there's a Dominican league, there's a Venezuelan league, there's a Mexico league. and Colombia has a league, Australia oh, has a league. Well, but for the, as far as like the the World Series that takes place, like... The Caribbean World yeah. Series, yeah. Um, and they play a, like a 50-some game schedule over the winter and have standings and play every day. And it's, I mean, for some guys that go play winter ball, it's another season mm-hmm. almost i mean it's it's pretty good a lot of americans go down for a little while they're notoriously known for going coming home at christmas and not returning so some teams will incentivize guys for uh to come back after christmas with money mm-hmm. um you know the other thing is it's good for minor leaguers to go down get more at bats for sure um and make some good money you can go down there and make some really good money especially in places like venezuela places where nobody wants to go uh, you can make a lot of money in over the course of a two, three month span. I had a former teammate in college that went down there. He was a AAA player for for Washington. His name was Josh Wilkie. He went down to Venezuela, did very, very well for himself down there. Um, it, what an experience to play in front of stadiums that are full. They're banging the drums. They're drunk. They're they're, they're treating you. They're treating you like kings, really. Armed um, guards. Mm-hmm. And. Um, but yeah, a lot of guys that also are on the periphery of, of rosters or looking to catch on and go down there and they can show their stuff and, and maybe hook on again with another team. Or learn, learn a new position. Sure. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that. So um, winter ball is great. Um, something that isn't great, though, and I want to just touch on this for a couple of minutes, what happened last night with the Premier 12. We kind of talked about it before we, we started up this, this podcast, and uh, I've been very fired up about it. In um, essence... In essence, just so everybody's up to date, it's a, it's pretty much the the cliff note of it is it's an Olympic qualifying event. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's right. Right. The Olympics are back in 2020 for the first time since 2004. So they're 16 years off. Uh, they'll be in Japan next year. So Japan's automatically qualified. Right. Uh, we just, as we talked about last month, Israel qualified out of the Europe and Africa bracket by winning the European Championship Olympic the powerhouse of the Europe and Africa bracket with all American players. Um, <laughs> right. Shout out to their head coach Eric Holtz, but you know, still kind of strange. Whatever. So you got Japan, the host country. You got Israel, and then they're basically going to take the top finisher from the R- Premier Twelve, which was just played in like different sites. It's supposed to be the twelve best baseball countries playing. That's the idea. Now. What, what makes you a good baseball country is if you play with your best players. And so, <laughs> you know, if you're playing with a bunch of minor league guys or washed up guys as the U.S. did, and, 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 and really no disrespect to the players that competed for the U.S. because um, many of them are going to be in the big leagues or younger guys or prospects. Yeah, there's some like guys saw in, like, a, that played in A-ball this year on that roster. Um, I think so of, they're a ways away. They're, you know, on the roster they had Andrew Vaughn. He was in college this year. The premier college bat was picked, I think, fourth overall by the White Sox. This guy can hit. Yeah. You know, he's a stud. We, 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 we previewed him in the draft. Joe Adele, who we talked about last week on the, or two weeks ago on the um, the Arizona Fall League, is one of the top prospects in the Arizona Fall League. Reminds me of Gary Sheffield. This guy can absolutely rake. Um, those guys are on the, on the team, but they're so inexperienced in baseball at a high level. And what you're seeing is you're seeing, like, Japan, Korea, Mexico, they're they're putting out a team of veteran, established, you know, long time, you know, international players. They might not have the same talent level as a major leaguer, but they've played a lot of baseball. 
Yeah. And so they're they're good in these tournaments, especially in these short tournaments. They know they've played together before. They've had right. these teams together before. And this is what happens with the U.S. You know, they kind of just throw a bunch of guys out there. They had like Eric Kratz. You know, he's a veteran. He's been in the big leagues. A postseason hero two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. You know, but, you know, he's 39 years old. Right. You know, so um, the U.S. lost to Mexico in extra innings last night. And I'm watching this game, and I'm like, so Mexico qualifies for the Olympics now by winning. Right. Or they, they got bronze. Yeah. Uh, Japan beat Korea in the finals. Japan's All qualified right. automatically. Now Korea's in as the runner-up. And now and Mexico. And Mexico yeah. is in. U.S. still has a chance to qualify, Louis, but um, this was a really weird game to watch because, you know, Mexico won with a home run to tie up the game in the ninth inning by Matt Clark. Who's an American playing for Team Mexico because he plays in Mexico during the summer because Mexico also has a summer league, which is probably the equivalent to like AAA here -hmm. in the States. Maybe a little less. Maybe a little less. If you're a good AAA player, you can go there and do really, really well. Right. So let's call it like something about high A, double A. So like, well, yeah, or maybe like double A plus. Sure. High high double A. Let's do that. High double A. High double A. Because it is better than A ball. It's better than A ball, but it's not. Double A, you got a lot of prospects in there. So it's like hard to say. Yeah. Triple A is like a veteran, more veteran. So the Mexican League is a solid league. Sure. Right. But it's. But he qualifies to play for Mexico because of the rules, I guess? Yeah, I mean, he probably has some ancestry or maybe, and then John Jones is the same way, or he's been a resident or played there for so long that now he qualifies. I mean, we saw this with Russia, I believe, and their, was it their basketball? They they had a guy that was playing there, it was an American guy, who had been in the league for like five years, and so he qualified to be a citizen. So that's right. So yeah. Matt, Matt Clark, I don't know the, the complete background, but yeah, he he qualifies to play for them. They had John Jones qualified to play for him. So he, what do you do with that? I mean, it, it, by the way, these guys aren't good enough to even play anymore in AAA, really, or, or in the in the big leagues. They got a cup right. of coffee, right? John Jones, who's like one of their who's hitting in the three hole for him. You know, he the last time he played in the states, he played in A ball and he hit two thirty five. Right. You know. My point but, is this. But this team beat the Americans yet last night. Right. My point is this. I'm all for these international competitions and guys getting an opportunity to play. But when you're talking about baseball in the Olympics on a world stage, you want to see the best teams and the best players. Right. And it's simply not going to happen because MLB, the owners, MLB as itself, doesn't allow, I think, them to fully participate in the way that they should. Like, can you imagine... The, you know, we were talking earlier, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Alex Bregman, Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger. Like, none of these teams would have a chance. Right. I mean, and that's... And then they run want. out Verlander, Scherzer, uh, Garrett Cole, Granke, Kershaw. I mean... You just put the two World Series Gardner. teams out right. there. I mean, it, but, that's, I, but that's what I want to see against the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans. And you kind of get that with the Real Baseball Classic. A little but, bit. But it's a weird time of the year, the World Baseball Classic. They do it in March. The, the, it's, nobody's right. ready to play. No, and the problem is, like, probably now is the best time to do this. But guys are tired. Guys mm-hmm. are worn out. Mm-hmm. And, frankly, a lot of guys aren't willing to do extra. This is extra. A yeah. lot of guys are out hunting. They're sitting on the beach. They're hanging out with their families who they've missed all season it's long. It's season. Like, they've gone through that season. It's a grind, whether you play on a team like the Tigers, who couldn't win anything, or you play on a team like the Nationals win the World Series. Like, it is a long grind. And to, you know, to to catch back up with your families and stuff, like, guys aren't aren't willing, a lot of guys aren't willing to just say, like, yeah, I'll go do extra and I'll go play. It's just not, and yeah, Maybe there's pressure from ownership not to play because we just signed you to all this money and you're not going to go play yeah. for, you know, some other team, whether it be your country or not, uh, and risk the injuries and risk, you know, blowing it out. I mean, the World Baseball Classic, I think, is played at a terrible time for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys are breaking thumbs, sliding into bases, playing for their country, and now they miss you know, April, May, and June mm-hmm. at, for their big league club, the club that's paying them to play. Yep. Um, you know, so that's not great. 
it's almost as it's not as bad, but almost as bad as those games between spring training and the regular season, which I absolutely hate. Um, guys don't need to play extra games. They play enough. Right. And if they don't want to play in this, they shouldn't have to. However, but, but you get but this is the product that you get then. You get a poor poor much poor product. You're losing an opportunity to promote your sport. You know, of course. The NBA did not let did not care about their best players playing in the Olympics for a long time. And what has happened because of that 92 dream team, you've seen the game explode internationally because they were able to showcase Jordan Barkley, Elijahwan, not Elijahwan, Ewing, um, all these guys, all these great American players. I said Elijahwan is, he was not yeah, American. Yeah, he's, he's not American. <laughs> but, um, but your point is, my, po- my point right. is, is that they are able to showcase these guys on an international scale and it grew the sport. And baseball right now is at a time where you need to continue to grow the sport and compete against soccer and basketball and hockey. I mean, the NHL is a, the hockey itself is a more violent sport than baseball. There's more injuries. Sure. Yet, they, they have allowed their players to take the Olympics off mm-hmm. for a week and during the All-Star break and go play in the Winter Olympics. And it has helped grow the sport. And I don't understand how baseball can't figure out a way, oh, wait, the Olympics are played during the summer. Maybe we'll just take a week off and have our best guys play for the best countries. Right. And we'll have the DR and we'll have the Venezuela and we'll have Australia and we'll have Japan and Korea and the U.S. And we'll do a 16 little round robin for a week. And there you go or a team or whatever you just something smaller you don't need 12 there's not 12 great baseball countries no. there's about there's like six to eight with a couple on the periphery like australia's in there and mexico's in there those aren't just look at the number of major leaguers right All right you know if, you, if europe has two or three major leaguers if mexico has like 10 major leaguers if australia has five major leaguers you can't say they're great baseball countries you got to be over like 10 to 15 percent of the big leagues to be a great baseball country i think so you got Japan, you got Korea, you know, well, I mean, they have their own big leagues that they don't right. allow guys to go, but we've seen on an international scale, obviously the Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, U.S., Canada, throw that yeah. out there. But it's just, it's just frustrating because I feel like there's an opportunity here that's missed, you know, by, by doing this at the right time and, 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 and having MLB work within the framework of these international tournaments. So... I'm, I, I don't know, like hats off to Mexico for making it. Like those guys, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Like it, it is, Israel and Mexico. But are you kidding me? Six of the top teams in the world are playing in the Olympics to like showcase baseball are Mexico and Israel. Korea, Japan, Mexico, and Israel so far. They're only taking six? I think they're taking six. So you got two other at-large ones to qualify. And the U.S. still has two opportunities to get in. But, but you're, you got the Dominican, right? You got Venezuela. You got Puerto Rico. Where does Puerto Cuba. Rico fall? Are they their own country? Their own when it country comes, when it comes, comes to, to Olympics. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like we've said. It's it's a hard, it's hard to do because there's no good time to do it. The only time to really do it is probably, like you said, maybe ten days in the middle of the baseball season. But cut down on some spring training games. Well, that would be ideal. You know what I mean, like, I mean, because there's just too many. In short, in 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 shorten the season a little bit to 154 games. I mean, they used to barnstorm back in the 30s right, and 40s. That ain't happening. You know, they take their all star right. teams to Japan. It'd be right. the World Series winner would go play the best team in Japan. Right, that's not happening. Good ideas though. Just yes. Yeah, it's, it was a great idea then. It's a great idea now. Yeah. It's just not gonna. That won't ever happen again with the the strength of the union and. You know, and it's 154 games isn't going to happen either because of the money lost on the revenue. Exactly. So, well, but if you want to grow your sport, there's opportunity. You just got to... Yeah, but here's the other thing. Do they need to grow the sport? I mean, you would say yes. I would say yes. But, I mean, look at the revenue that's collected on a yearly baseball, yearly basis by Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Making billions with yeah. a B of dollars. Why, what, there's no incentive necessarily to push the game into other parts of the yeah. world. Because when the younger generation doesn't see the best players playing, they don't want to play. When they see well, bad course. product on the field. Oh, it'll come back and bite them. There was a play but yesterday. It's short-sighted. The U.S. lost on an, basically on an error at second base. That was a routine play that pretty much every big leaguer makes. It was a minor league guy that rushed to throw. And it happens, but it's like... If you're watching that, you're like, this doesn't even, this doesn't look like a big leaguer. This doesn't look like the best. Right. And that's the optics of it are, are really problematic. But, anyways, we're um, we're going in hard on this. Yes, 
a lot of other topics to talk about. There's some really interesting stuff in the news this last week in Major League Baseball. Which one should we go for first? Because I feel like the um, we got the awards that happened and we have the, the Astros thing that happened. Um, I, I mean... Astros? Yeah, I want to talk about the Astros. So, we kind of... For those of you that have been hiding under a rock the last <laughs> week, the Astros have been accused of cheating. And the way they've been cheating is they... At home, they've been accused of having a camera in center field and then have a TV in the tunnel of the dugout to the clubhouse. And they were sending signals to audible signals to their hitters based on what the pitch was called. Now, you can steal signs in Major League Baseball or Minor League Baseball or Little League Baseball Mm -hmm. or junior college baseball with your eyes mm-hmm. you cannot use technology that is a violation of the rules it's cheating so they've been accused of it of course they denied it but every day there's something else that comes out you have you got former players saying things well, and that mike fires mike was- fires was like yeah this is exactly how they did it right um we've had a bunch of people whether it be on Twitter or outside the industry or inside the industry, go through a bunch of game film, and it's pretty blatant. Now, this is the accusation for 2017, the year they won the World Series. Mm-hmm. The Sure, in this country, despite what a lot of people think nowadays, you are innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. And I think we've gone, not to get political, but I think we've gone so far the other way where now you have to prove your innocence. And this now, is in the media. Especially. <laughs> so so this is, they've been accused. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of evidence. Now there's enough evidence to keep this moving down the road. Mm-hmm. Today, there was a story released mm-hmm. that Kevin Goldstein, who's an assistant, a special assistant to the GM, has was sending sending out emails to all different types of scouts when they had scouts. When they had scouts yeah. about um, do whatever you have to do to get the other team signs. Now, when you advance for the playoffs, ideally it's a two-man scouting crew. You have somebody behind the plate. And you do – if you can put somebody down the line to be able to to look into the other the team that you're advancing stuck out, some teams will do that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Now, if that scout has binoculars, there's something wrong with that. If he's filming something, there's something wrong with that. Now, that is cheating. Now, I know people are like, well, what should happen? Now, if they are accused, and I'll let you throw out your two cents in a second here, mm-hmm. but I want to just run with this. Mm-hmm. If they are accused and found guilty of cheating, there should be tens of millions of dollars worth of fines. Mm-hmm. There should be a banner taken down, and there should be some lifetime bans from the game. Mm-hmm. The tens of millions of dollars in fines, while may seem excessive, think about the money that was accumulated that they that they were able to bring in based on them winning the World Series. Think about the money lost to the teams that didn't have a chance to either play in the World Series because they were eliminated by Houston, or the t- team that the Dodgers that were eliminated. Mm-hmm. That money lost. The other thing. The lifetime bans, they banned the, uh, I forget his name, from St. Louis for stealing all that money in Korea. Latin America. They, he's got a lifetime ban. Yeah. He's gone. Korea. The yeah. other thing is... He went to jail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was hacking into, I mean, he was like cybersecurity and well, all kinds about, of crazy I mean, things. It's like a side note. It was interesting about that is that he worked under Jeff Lunau, who's right. the, the GM or president of the Astros. And when Lunau left... He went in because he thought that they were compromising. Like he took proprietary sure. information. That was his claim. Right. I read it like a like an in depth story about it. Right. He ends up in jail. Right. And the lifetime ban of the game for it's cheating. A, it's a sport, by the way. It is a sport. It's a sport. Right. It's not. But right. So the so we have a lot of money that should be dished out. Mm-hmm. We have some lifetime bans, and we also need to take the banner down. Mm-hmm. And I just I saw all these comments about like well they won on they won game seven on the road and all this stuff like it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. they cheated because they still had to go to game seven and they still had a they still had a win on the road those people don't know how to how a seven game series works mm-hmm. like it's 
if this is if all of this is true and they are found guilty this is right up there with the black sox scandal this is right up there with steroid use this is awful awful and should be punished to the to the nth degree of the law this is ridiculous and who knows if they if they were successful in 17 doing it what if they were doing it in 18 what if they were doing it in 19 right I mean, if if you were successful and you weren't caught, why wouldn't you do it again? Mm-hmm. So, again, as of right now, they are innocent. There is a lot of evidence pointing towards guilty, and if they are found guilty, that's that's what I think should happen. I mean, uh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, first off, the article that just came out late last night, this morning, about the memo to the scouts. Right. What I thought was really interesting is that they even said, but after that year, they got rid of all their scouts <laughs> and they're doing 99% analytics and video. So basically, you know, they, they're, 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 everything that they do, they feel like it, if you, everything you're doing is based on video, then maybe to you, it's not cheating because that's all you do is video. You know what I mean? I'm not right. trying to look at it from their perspective, right? Like, we're not cheating because we don't have any scouts. So we have to do everything by video. So everything that we do, whether it's breaking down this or breaking down that or reviewing that or analyzing this, their advanced scouting, everything is video, right? So they're just looking for ways to get as much video as possible. Now, part of that is that they want to be super cheap and not pay scouts, right? That's part of the reason. They, they don't think they need scouts. They think they can do any everything analytics. No, they, they still do have some scouts, but they've basically, it's a skeleton crew. That, from my understanding, they don't have any pro scouts. They only have amateur scouts. Which do some scouts. pro stuff in the summer. Okay. But it's not nearly what 99% of the teams have when it comes to... Go but, ahead. Yeah, but I think it's just really, really fascinating because you have you have this... Um, how do you say it? It's like this juxtaposition, right? Because you can steal signs. I remember being in college... Yeah. And our coach was like, if you weren't doing a chart and you weren't playing, you're watching the other team's third base coach, watching him, how he goes through his, I'm doing like the signs right, right. now, the nose, the ear, right. the hat, find the indicator, right. find the hot zone. And it was like an art to it. We would like, we'd like spend all game looking at him. And then like by maybe game two of the series, we're like, okay, we got it. You know, we know what they're doing, you know, so. But you weren't recording any of it. No. You weren't using binoculars. No, we we're just watching. Right. You know, which is fine. You know, and there, there, there seems to There's be a like huge difference. There, there seems to be like there needs to be a line drawn about, and there is right. There's a memo that went out. There's like a rule that says like you can't use technology. The problem with this to me is that the home team here has the advantage, right? Because it's their ballpark, it's their cameras. They can put somebody in center field. They can put somebody down the line, and you're using your home field advantage to have a huge advantage, right? If you, if, if. You want it to be an equal playing field. Everybody who's at second base can see into the catcher's signs. If you're lazy with your sign right. giving as a as a catcher and pitcher as a staff, then you're going to yeah, like go ahead, okay? Hey, yeah, you down, put one sign down. One sign down. Like I'm a base runner, okay? You say if my hands up outside of my legs, then it's a fastball. If my hands are inside of my legs, it's an off speed or something right. like that, right? It's like. That is like as old as as the history of the game. Right. That's fine. I, I'm totally okay with that sign stealing. But to do this, it's funny. This is more like spying, but not spying in the way that we talk about it. Right. It's like baseball. Spying. No, this is dirty spying. Baseball spy. I mean, the idea is like, hey, um, we're spying on the other team's players. We're 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 trying to give you the inside information into like how we evaluate players, right? That's the idea that you're a spy in baseball. They're taking it to like this extreme level of like, we're going to record everything that you do and we're going to do it illegally, right? They're, you know, you, they don't have like a warrant from the FBI. They don't have like a mandate from Major League Baseball that they can do this. And I think you're, what, what you're recommending for them, yeah, I mean, you got to take... if. I think the evidence has to be really, really, you can't just, right now the evidence is like we have a, like a couple bangings on the drum and we have, not, not a couple, but like we, we have a season full of it. Right. You have former players. You're going to have to. You have opposing players. 
you're going to have to get a little bit more. You're going to have to get like some evidence of like, and again, if you have video cameras everywhere, you have access to like, okay, they have video cameras in that clubhouse and in that dugout. So you can see if guys are oh, yeah. doing stuff, right? Because there's video cameras everywhere in Major League Ballparks, including the dugout and the clubhouse. So you should be able to see what you should have access to their security film and see if guys are doing this, mm-hmm. you know? So if you have a guy watching the monitor and banging a drum in the, in like the dugout, like, or in the, in, well, it was in the, the tunnel. tunnel. The you tunnel. wouldn't be able to see that the tunnel. There's no cameras in a tunnel. They'll have a security. F- I bet they there. don't. I bet you they do because imagine if someone tries to like go down there and like get into the clubhouse. Maybe. But they're going to have to give that up, and who knows, they probably wiped it by now, or, oh, we don't have it, it's from 2017, we get rid of our footage. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of shenanigans. And if they've been cheating like this, they're not stupid. The, the, the scummy nature of them cheating like this, if they are accused of it, they've, they've definitely crossed all the, uh, the T's and dotted the I's. I mean, think, look at this. And then you have the emails. Emails came from... A special assistant to the GM. So that email basically came from the GM. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not somebody going rogue. (laughs) Right. GM's not sitting in the GM booth during the game and going, I wonder what that banging is. And, oh, oh, we've been, oh, really? We've been, like, he's in on it. That stuff comes from the top. Here's the splits from 2017. Home. Jose Altuve at home hit 472 on base of 513. Slugged 1028. OPS was 1541 with 17 hits, 6 home runs, 12 RBIs. On the road, 143. One home run, 2 RBIs. OPS, 497. the postseason? 2017, the year they were accused of doing this. Correa, 371 at home. Slugged 116, uh, slugged 743 with a 1164 OPS. 13 hits, 3 home runs, 10 RBIs. On the road, 211. OPS of 6. 2-6. Two six. Two home runs, four RBIs. Bregman. Not not as glaring. Two seventy-three at home. Had a uh, eight fifty-seven OPS with two home runs, six RBIs. On the road of five oh eight OPS. Hit one forty uh, one fifty-four. Two home runs, four RBIs. Brian McCann. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hit three hundred at home. The home run, seven RBIs, OPS, eight forty-nine. On the road. 073. His batting average was a bingo number. 07, uh, 037, I should say. No home runs, no RBIs. A 198 OPS. Yeah. I mean, you can't make this up. No, I mean, I, the numbers definitely tell a story there. Um, and that's for the whole postseason. I mean, you're going to be more, you know, you might do this during against some pitchers. You might be doing this during the season at various times, but. During the postseason, when it counts, you're going to look for every advantage that you can. World Series changes guys' lives. Everybody's competitive. Everybody, And, you know, like I said, the way they probably see it is like, you know, you've got to think about it from their from their standpoint. It's like, hey, we, we, we have a way we figured out their signs. And you're a player, and you're like, you want to know what pitch is coming? How, how, how do you say no to that? You know what I mean? Like, how do you say, like, I'm, I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just saying we went through this in baseball with the steroid era. We did, right? Where guys were taking it. It was not policed. And it's like, how do you, when you're at that level and you have millions of dollars on the line and you're competitive and you're, how do you say no? How do you sit there and say no? Like, because it's not necessarily wrong, right? I mean, it is, no, it is wrong. wrong. No, like there, but it's not, there's nothing going against, like at the time there weren't, they weren't, um, Throwing people out of baseball for taking steroids, right? Right. Okay. Sign stealing is a gray area because you are allowed to steal. It's not signs. gray. It's you, no. It's very black and white. You can do it without technology. You can't do it with technology. They use technology. You can't do it. It's not gray. Well, the gray area is that if if this, I'm talking about from a slippery slope standpoint, like the fact that you are stealing signs. Like just on second base, or if you see something or whatever, you're allowed to steal signs. Quote. So that's what that's the gray area. It's like you're allowed to do that. Now I know that they say you can't use technology to do that, but 
because it's already you're doing something that's technically you know taboo or illegal stealing signs there's no there's that but there's no there's no rule against you can't stand at second base and relay to the hitter where the pitch is being thrown or what pitch is being thrown. But there is a rule saying you can't use technology to steal signs. But that rule only came in, I think, after that year when Boston or somebody accused them. Then there was that. Remember Boston got in trouble with the... No, you've never been able to. So I remember like in like 96 or 98 or some year the Yankees were in the World Series. And Joe Torre and Don Zimmer were paid money to wear binoculars. Because they were always on camera. And this binocular company said, we want you to wear these binoculars around your neck while you're in the dugout during the game. And Major League Baseball said, you can wear them around your neck, but you cannot use them. Mm. You cannot use binoculars. That rule has been in place for a long, long time. And I don't think it's gray. Because you can't use technology. Boom. If you're smart enough to pick up the signs or the other team isn't smart enough to decode their or code their signs, that's something different. I think it's completely different. But I mean, I see this is a they, slippery slope. They don't go in the same category if of you stealing can't, signs. If you can't see the sign because your eyes are poor, but you wear glasses, that's a form of binoculars. If you wear contact lenses, if you like improve your vision, that's you should, a you should have went to law school. I, it's, <laughs> it's completely different. I don't know about complete. I'm just saying that there is a slippery slope here. I'm not again. I'm not advocating th- that they used it. I'm just saying that as a player, when you're presented with this opportunity, oh, from a player standpoint, I don't. It's I, the players are going to do what they got to do to win. If I'm you, talking about a front office standpoint, right? This is scummy. Okay, I'm talking about from a player standpoint. Why it's a slippery slope? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, so from a player standpoint, if you, regardless of how you get the information, if you know that. You know, you're not breaking the law by knowing that a pitch is coming. Right. Okay. So you're not breaking the law to know that it's off speed versus a fastball. You know, you you know, get out of the way versus like stay in the box kind of thing. You know, it, it it's there's so much money on the line. There's so much your 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 stats and your your contract and winning. I it just it's hard for me to to come down on the players and go, yeah, you guys are cheaters to the players. Because this is this is coming from the front office. This is coming from the organization itself. I mean, I bet you they're not the only team that does this. Okay, they just might do it the most widespread, or they might be the most efficient at it, or they might have the most talent. But we don't have any evidence of anybody else doing it. Well, Boston was doing it with their with the with the, the Apple, Apple watches. Right. They got in trouble. Remember two years ago. So I, there's other teams that are doing this stuff. Well, there was a team that did some other stuff. I, I'm just curious because right now we only have a couple people that have come out and said something. Mike Fires was one, a couple other players. But I'm wondering if the reason why you haven't seen more players come out is because there's more teams doing it. That's all I want, I want to say about that. Because if, if this was the only team that was doing it, you would see every player coming out against this on Twitter and every player saying stuff about it. But it's it, it's it's there's been players, but it's not been a ton of guys. So I'm just curious as to yeah. why. Well, there's, the there's also a lot of money involved in the future, and guys will just keep their mouths shut too. Mm. It's very, I mean, it's interesting. It's terrible. Um, it's a blemish for sure, but it's could be a very good explanation for their prolonged success. Absolutely, and who knows? I mean, you play a lot of games at home, and yeah, I know you got to go play on the road and all that stuff. But when you have splits that are so, like, just egregiously different. Uh, it's just, and then you have players, you have evidence so when you, you take, listen to the game films and watch what's going on. And you see like guys like Evan Gaddis, yeah, right. Noah Fastball's come in and take a completely Is different hack. Anymore? No, but right. like completely different swing because he knew the fastball was coming. Right. I mean, completely different in the same at bat. You know, and then you have an email, emails, mm-hmm. phone calls. You have all this other stuff that's coming out where there's smoke usually fire and I think that they need to to really dive into this and I think they really need to come to some consensus and not some like oh we did some investigating and uh, uh, yeah we didn't really find enough like no 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 this is you take away the individual awards you could you could do that Altuve was MVP that year wasn't he I mean you could I really definitely puts a blemish on it I mean I like Altuve as a player 
you know, I like what, how he plays the game. I like watching how he plays the game. Um, I think he's had an unbelievable year that year and probably deserved to be the MVP. Um, it's, it'd be really weird to see that, that happen. I mean, but if it's true, I mean, you might have to. You might have to. I mean, the NCAA, as goofy as they are, they made the uh, University of Michigan take down all the Fab Five banners. Yeah. Like, it never happened. And I think if this, if the Astros are found guilty, you take that 17 World Series banner down. It never happened. Because you guys are Throwing cheaters. Throwing the game, cheating. I mean, they're just, it, it's in the same sort of category. Um, Throwing the game is the integrity of the game. Cheating is also the integrity of the game. Um, if you see, if guys are, I, see the difference is that those guys are banned for life when they're gambling on the game, when they're, when they're like taking performance enhancing drugs, AKA cheating, they're suspended for like a year. Maybe just, maybe just like get rid of the Astros for like a year. They can't play next year. <laughs> let's like, let's bring in like the, whoever wins the Olympic qualifier. I, I, I think you they just, bring that yeah, team in. I think you just get rid of the people in charge. I mean, honestly, to sit there and go, oh, I didn't know this was going on. It's a bunch of nonsense. Um, speaking of awards and individual awards, I'm really fired up right now because we just we just saw all the awards come out this last week. Um, we got some some messages from some listeners. They want to know our thoughts. Um, I I think the awards should be voted on the last day of the regular season. Like, don't wait until you could announce them like this time of year. But I think the last day of the season, the the votes should be. Um, they're due by like eleven fifty nine. Isn't that? Eastern. I thought that's when they're due right now. I don't know. I think they're due right after the season ends. There's no postseason no. game that's been played. No, because if if it were, Steven Strasburg would have won the Cy Young. He finished fifth. All right. Yeah. No, you know, I mean, let's just run through the list real quick. Um, first off, you have the managers, uh, which I think is a stupid award. <laughs> I do too. The manager of the year is the manager that wins. Dave Martinez is the manager of the year. Right. And there's only one manager of the year because there's only one team that won. That's that's it. The right. Nationals won. He's the manager of the year. The runner-up is the guy that lost. The right. Race. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. They gave Baldelli and Schilt from the Cardinals uh, and the Twins. Uh, both those teams melted down in the postseason. Yeah. They got, both got swept. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you get that. The well, I mean, the Cardinals did win at least a playoff series. Sure. The award is called the World Series. Um, whatever. I don't even care. Let's not even discuss this. Let's move on. Rookie of the year, you had Pete Alonso in the NL, broke the rookie record for home runs in the year of the home run, and you had uh, Jordan Alvarez for the Astros in the AL. I, I like both it's those. Fine. That's fine. I mean, the Rookie of the Year award, we've seen it in years past. Like, it, it's, it's a great award, but it is a single-season small, small snapshot award. We have seen a lot of Rookie of the Years that just disappear after two, three years. The thing about the thing about Alonzo that I was like, mm. Mike Sirocco from the Braves was incredible. He was one of the best pitchers in the league. You know, Pete Alonzo, yeah, he set this rookie. He had to put it, the balls were juiced. They were flying out of the ballpark. <laughs> we saw that in the playoffs. They had different balls. Um, I got to examine some balls close up, by the way. They were definitely wound tighter. They were smoother. I mean, it was it was a huge difference. Players noticed it. They talked about it. You know, Pete Alonzo, congrats, I guess. You know, you got the rookie of the year. I, I would My vote was for Soraka with the Braves. I thought he was outstanding um, this year. I disagreed with that one. And um, and then from the AL side, remember I took Luis Arias, right. uh, who did something that no other player has done in like 20 years in terms of how many at-bats he had, how high his average was, his walk-to-strikeout ratio. And then you got Jordan Alvarez, who, you know, again, had a bunch of home runs, basically. Right. You know, so it's like... Well, that's what's exciting. Yeah, that's what people want. Uh, let's start with the Cy Young. I thought this one was a little bit more debatable. I thought both of them were. Okay, so first off, in the NL, you had Jacob DeGrom, who you could argue is the best pitcher in the NL, like stuff-wise. Sure. Did he have the best year? No. I mean, you know, my, my vote, I remember during our podcast, I said Jack Flaherty because of what he did in the second half to get guys going. I kind of was doing it more as a discussion-based point. Um, I thought it was a toss-up. You could go in like four or five different routes. The vote was pretty close. Steven Strasburg, 
and shout out to Kevin Rovers who who said that he should be the uh, the 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 Cy, the Cy Young winner for what he did in the playoffs too. But it was you know in the regular season he led the league in innings pitched. Yeah, he pitched the most in the regular season. He had an outstanding year. Um, I think he did. He was like first or second in WAR. <laughs> a little primer there oh, for geez. WAR. Uh, you know Degrom. He, I think he won what 10, 11, 12 games. He was eleven and eight with a two four three. Struck out two fifty five and two oh four. Uh, hundred and fifty four hits and two hundred four innings. Great so, year. A really good year. Max Scherzer missed too much time for me. Yeah. He had like five less starts than most guys. I mean, it was kind of weird. And then Ryu was a great. I mean, he he had the Flaherty was the guy in the second half. Ryu was the guy in the first half. You right, know, he was the scion of the first half, and then down the stretch, he yeah, just didn't but sustain. Still fourteen and five, two three two ERA. I mean, the strikeout totals weren't. No, he had one hundred and sixty three strikeouts. You know what I mean? And, and so he kind of had this thing where there was a bunch of different guys. I mean, you would have done a different. Yeah, I wouldn't have picked a Grom. I, I mean, like you said, you could argue he's one of the. Best pitchers and stuff wise, I mean, it's like, but I, I don't, you know, his year was good. Who would you have gone with? I mean, I think, I think you still make a case for Ryu. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he didn't, he didn't have the strikeout numbers. He didn't have like a dominant finish. Mm-hmm. But neither oh. did Degrom. He was eleven and eight, I and think- I know that the win loss record for a pitcher doesn't tell the whole story. But my argument to that is, if you're a dude, if you're a Cy Young Award winner, if you're a guy that is going to be put in that upper echelon of starting pitching, I get your bullpen can blow a game for you and you don't get the win. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you, and in my opinion, multiple points over the course of the year, the bullpen's a non-factor because you're going eight and two-thirds. You're going seven and two-thirds. Mm-hmm. You're going nine. And... You know, to for all this complaint about oh well, wins and loss don't matter. But you also got guys that are getting high fived after going five innings. So if you're worried about your win loss record as a pitcher, maybe we need to go a little farther into the game. Yeah. So you know, I think that argument has two sides to that. I get it, um, but I don't know. I mean, if you're a dude, you're you're going nine once in a while. Here's my question for you, and this is what I think the war should be about in general. When you look at 2019, you take a step back and you go, "This is this this season happened." What do we What do we remember about this season? We remember the Nationals winning, of course. Remember the Astros cheating, cheating, you know, allegedly, like, allegedly, alleged, right? Uh, we remember uh, Mexico beating USA in the Premier Twelve. I'm just kidding about that one. We just talked about it, but um, but like, what pitcher do we go? Wow, that guy was the best pitcher this year. That's that's what it should be, right? That, right. That is the story of and the season. That, it's not Jacob. It's not Jacob Degrom. And again, you could argue Ryu. I I said Flaherty because right. he was that guy that yeah. got St. Louis there in the second half. It wasn't really Scherzer. I mean, the funny thing is, is that it was Strasburg because of right because of the whole the whole, the whole uh, World uh, Series playoffs. Right. The whole the whole the thing. whole work. Right. But for the regular season. Sure, I'd go with Ryu. I'd go with Flaherty. I don't think I'd go with DeGrom, though. The AL, to me, was a clear... This they, they messed this up. They messed up the AL, I think. I don't know how... I don't know, were the, were the writers even watching the game? Because we have a hashtag, watch the game. I have this on good authority that sometimes the writers, they're so busy. Louis, this is, a, this is true. They're so busy having to file that their story... They'll watch the first inning or the second inning, and they'll start writing their story, and they won't even look up and watch the rest of the game because they're so busy typing their story out because the story needs to be filed usually within about an hour, hour and a half after the game. Think about that for a second. You're a writer who has a vote on who the MVP is, who the Cy Young is, and you're not watching them play. So what are you doing? You're going and looking up maybe the stats, okay? You're maybe going with what's the good story. Justin Verlander won the Cy Young. In a year that he threw a no-hitter, recorded his 3,000 strikeout, and got 300 strikeouts. And did it in in a fashion with his girlfriend tweeting or his wife tweeting about how he unfairly did not get the Scion two years ago. Um, so there's like this, this story, you know, about Verlander going back to, you know, coming in Houston, 
reaching this echelon of a Hall of Famer, just needing that another Cy Young to like etch it in stone. His teammate, Garrett Cole, was better. Simply set a record, a record for strikeouts per nine innings. A major league record in a year of the home run set a major league record for strikeouts per nine innings. He won over 20 games. He had the most strikeouts in the, in the league. Uh, I think when you watched him, you were like, wow, this is the best pitcher. Mm-hmm. He reeled off 25 straight games without a loss. He went 19-0 and from like May to the end of the season. It, th- and that's what I'm talking about. Like when, you think, when, you, yeah. when you think about 2019 for in the American League, Garrett Cole was the guy. That's what I remember. And, and, and somehow the writers voted, and, and it wasn't that close either. Like they voted for Verlander. And I'm I'm really I'm really confused about that. I, I, what do you think? No, I, I 100% agree. Just going back to the NL real quick. Oh, okay. <laughs> you could have voted for Strasburg, and you could have, you probably would have been better off him. He was 18 and six. He struck out to 51 in mm-hmm. 209 innings. He was 18 and six, not 11 and eight. Now, the ERA was a little higher, but whatever. Who cares? Back to the AL. <laughs> I mean, I do think at times... So here's my problem. Is my problem with the Hall of Fame voting, my problem with the the award voting, is it's 100% writers. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that for one of... Well, for a number of reasons. But I think that players that have... 10 years of big league time should maybe have a vote. Mm -hmm. I think executives of maybe 12 years or like not everybody, but like GM, president, assistant GM, if you've got over 15 years or 10 years in that seat, not in baseball, but in that seat, maybe you get a vote. Scouts? Scouts maybe of like 10 years of experience. I mean, scouts are on the ground floor evaluating the players. Right, but scouts don't see the whole thing. And if you're, if you're, let's say, let's say you're working for a club and you have um, two organizations and you have the Cubs and the Brewers, you ain't watching the Houston Astros ever. Right. You don't have time. Right. So I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say scouts um, for that reason because you don't get to see the whole thing. Executives see the whole thing. Executives, yeah. um, players. Well, it's, it's their job to see the right thing. players. The other, th- the other thing is, so I, I don't like that because I I think that there's a lot of voices in the game that don't get a say in this. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is we're all human beings. We can fall in love with certain things that maybe aren't as real or true as they are. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is. It could be a girl, it could be a guy, it could be a car, it could be a player, it could be food, whatever. <laughs> and I think when you talk about what happened this year with the AL Cy Young and the AL MVP, you have this love affair with certain players as a writer. Mm. And for whatever reason, that guy gets the vote. Mm. And you can justify the vote. Voting for Justin Verlander wasn't a terrible vote. He was one of the best pitchers in the game this year. So it's... But he wasn't the best on his own team. Well, right. And so I think and that's, and you, know, that, you have this issue with the people that are voting for this award. You can also have that love affair with guys. And you can also have this disdain for guys. You see it with Barry Bonds. Right. The media doesn't vote for Barry, Barry Bonds, maybe because of the steroids, but maybe because he wasn't approachable. Mm-hmm. And some guy wanted to write an article on Barry Bonds and Barry said, I'm not doing this. And now he's like, well, I'm not voting for him. And I know that sounds petty, but guess what? That's human nature. Yeah. So I think there should be more people involved in the voting. And I think what happened with this Cy Young is there's this love affair of Justin Verlander. And then there's his wife. And guess what? He may have gotten screwed out of the Cy Young two years ago. That doesn't matter now. That's it's a mean. single season award. And he wasn't even the best pitcher on his team. And you can see that because they started the best pitcher for game one, right? Like, if, if he was the if he was a Cy Young, he would have started game right. one. Absolutely. I mean, like, that's right. so obvious to me. Well, and people, well, he, well, he struck out his 3,000th and he... That's for his career. That's, his, that's a career award. That's not a... The career award is the Hall of Fame. He had one game against the Blue Jays, right? Was it the Blue Jays again that he no-hit? Who did he no-hit? I no think hit? so. I don't even remember. It was, you know... 
Not a very good club. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, so yeah, I don't, I don't agree with it. I think the better pitcher this year was Garrett Cole. I think he, you know, showed it from opening day all the way through the end of the season. Would you? There was no falling off. Would you like to see? I mean, the regular season is the regular season, of course, but. Should it include the postseason, or is that just completely separate? I mean, because if you look at who the best two pitchers were in each league, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, because they did it from start to finish, right? right? Yeah. Do you think that in that case, maybe we should have a, like, you know, if you're playing player of the year award, if you're doing a player of the year, it means the whole baseball season from game one to the last final game. Does the regular well, season so just... that's So I like the player of the year award. But we're so far down the road; it's yeah. not going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. And there are like there are like publications that will do Player of the Year. Yeah, Baseball America voting right. Justin Verlander Player of the Year. Well, it's Baseball America. I mean, th- come on. <laughs> they're, they're supposed Baseball to be, America. Don't even get me started. They're supposed to be on top of these things. Yeah. Good luck. From a, from a from a advanced metrics point of view, Garrett Cole was the guy. And from a story point of view, to me. The the re- he set records. He set records. But it's not as glamorous as your three thousand strikeout and your your. Mateo Boki, Italian pitcher, sent me a message. Um, at University of Texas, eleven straight games with ten strikeouts or more. Cole. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy plus innings pitch with a strikeout in a row. Yeah, but it's not as it's not as glamorous, and it's dominant. Know, Absolutely yeah, dominant. But he's not the Cy Young because he's, for whatever reason, the writers, writers watch, personally watch, like watch the game. Justin Verlander, and that is a nice segue into our AL MVP. I think they got this wrong too. Mike Trout won, uh, beat out Alex Bregman, and Marcus Simeon finished third. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I thought it should have been Bregman. I thought it, we both thought it should have been Bregman. I thought Lemayhu should have been up there. He had a fantastic year yeah. for the Yankees. Um, great story too. So Mike Trout wins, and all I see, all I see, and I'm texting you this: Mike Trout wins. He already has a higher WAR than most Hall of Famers. Mike Trout wins. His WAR was, you know, eight point six. It was, you know, Mike Mike Trout wins leads the league in WAR again. Leads the league in WAR again. And we've talked about uh, we, we're not big fans of WAR. And we, we both did, did some deep diving into the how the statistic has come along. And it's really, it's really fascinating because there's so many misconceptions, Louis, with this, with this stat. And yet, all you hear about in the industry, I mean, I'll tell you right now that uh, you know, I, I, I've talked with some, some GMs over, over my last couple of years. And even the GMs will mention a player and then go, yeah, his war is pretty good. And I'm like, are you are you you're really quoting his war? Like this is a this is a made up stat, Louis. It's a made up stat that's based on subjectivity, subjectivity, approximation, estimation. These are the words that are used by the people that made up the stat themselves. It's on Fangraphs. You can go to Fangraphs right now if you're listening. Go check out the the breakdown of war, how they measure it, and they'll tell you it's an approximation, it's an estimation, and. You know, there's some crazy stuff in there. When you really dig into it and see what it is, and you don't just regurgitate that, oh, he's got this war. When I hear a writer tell me, oh, I vote, I voted for Mike Trout because he led the league in war. First off, according to Fangraphs, he was 0.1 ahead of Alex Bregman, who we both thought should have won. And by the way, Alex Bregman was was the story of the year. You know, he played on a team that went to the World Series, even if they did allegedly cheat. He still had a phenomenal year. Up until this point, that guy, until it comes out that this guy was cheating all year, this guy's the MVP right. for, for both of us. Played shortstop, played good defense, filled in for Correa. He had like the lowest strikeout percentage in the league for, I think, second or first lowest strikeout percentage. Still hit over 40 home runs. Hit 296, higher average than Trout. Trout missed the last month of the year. He missed the last month. He didn't have a chance to do good or do bad. He only played 135 games. That, to me, is like, I'm going to sit out. Now, it's not his fault. He got an injury. Right. But it's like, you didn't play the whole year. So he could have went 5 for 50 the last month of the year. It wouldn't have mattered to his team, and it would have hurt his stats overall. would have brought down his overall value. But war, but he, but he leads the league in war. 
and we 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 actually read on Fangraphs, Louis, that when it's within like two runs, wins above replacement, that's what WAR stands for, wins above replacement. When it's within two, it's discernible. You can't discern. It's and and well, I have it right here. Yeah, this is from Fangraphs. So you could go to Google, just type in Fangraphs. What is WAR? And you should pull up this explanation. It says right here on the website, for example, a player that has been worth 6.4 war and a player that has been worth 6.1 war over the course of a season cannot be distinguished from one one another using war. So Mike Trout led the league in war, but he didn't lead the league in war. Right. He was tied with three guys. Yeah, he um, he was 8.6 according to Fangraphs and Bregman was 8.5. Like Yelich and Bellinger, Bellinger won the NL MVP, or sorry, Bellinger won the NL yeah. MVP. They, you know, he tied with Yelich at seven point eight. Simeon was at seven point six. Uh, Ketel Marte was seven point one. Anthony Rendon, nobody gives him enough credit. No. He's at seven. Everybody there in that discussion, Xander Bogart had a fantastic year. Was at six point eight. Mookie Betts six point six. George Springer six point five. Anybody within that two run range, because here's why they. If you look at how it's measured, there's there's two things that I have a problem with. The first thing is you're using base running and you're using fielding. Now, actually, Mike Trout had a negative fielding this year based on ultimate zone rating. But ultimate zone rating is a subjective it's, – it's on Baseball Info Solutions. They use they, – they basically determine what your rating is based on the balls that you should get to and shouldn't get to on the probability that most players get to it. And you have to, you basically have somebody, no, this is true, an intern who has like very little baseball experience that sits and watches on the video and decides whether that ball was a hard hit ball or not. They're not looking at the lighting or the ceiling or the, or the, the wind factors or how it comes off the bat. They're just looking at, okay, let's the exit velocity overall, what's the trajectory of the ball and where is it placed, where, where the guy started. And there's a lot of subjectivity, subjectivity there. Also with base running, should this guy have gone grounded into a double play or not? Should this guy have taken an extra base or not? They're like looking at these subjective rankings and then they give value to those subject rankings. So when they say that Babe Ruth had 10 war in 1932, there was no video tracking. There was no, no base nonsense. running. There's no, you can't compare. You can't say Mike Trout has more war than half the Hall of Famers when you didn't have video analysis for 75% of the Hall of Famers. War didn't exist 12 years ago, 15 years ago. And in, in you have three different websites, Baseball Perspectives, um, Baseball Reference, Baseball Reference, and Fangraphs that give different wars. If you've taken a statistics class, whether in college, undergrad, graduate school, wherever, you know right off the bat, a statistic is garbage if it has any subjectivity into it. Like, you can't just say, like, well, I think this guy is better than this guy, so I'm going to give him three three extra points over this guy just based on opinion. The stat falls apart at that point. It, it's so ridiculous, and in this industry we're using it, you know, everybody hates on batting average or on base percentage now. Well, that stat, there's no subjectivity there. No. Like, you get a hit or you don't. Now, yes, there's other ways to measure a player. We know now. Well, what if the official scorer gave the guy a hit? That doesn't happen enough over a course of a season to sure. affect but, the batting average. Sure. On base percentage, same thing, a walk. Well, there's an umpire. But but we're not making up stats. And this is what this is because this is my second problem with it. What is the definition of a replacement level player that doesn't exist? Okay. So your wins above a replacement level player. So it's not wins above the average player. It's a replacement level player. But there is no such thing, Louis, as a replacement level player. Because the moment that you get brought up from the big leagues, you are now a big league player. You're right. not replacement level. You are recording stats and doing something. Right. So, for example, if 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 uh, 70, 70% of Major League Baseball, according to baseball reference or fan graphs, falls within 0 to 1 or 0 to negative 1. So you're seeing that 30% of the big leagues are below what a triple-A player would be if they got called up? Like, have you that's watched triple-A? As a scout, right. when you go watch these guys in triple-A, there's a reason why they're in triple-A yes. and not in the big leagues. Right. And even if Albert Pujols has a negative war, as a pitcher, 
He first of all, he drives in a hundred runs because right, he's so hitting cleanup. Well, it's opportunity and this and that. No, 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 this guy's a Hall of Fame hitter, and if you make a mistake, he can still punish you, and you're still thinking about it, and he still and he's like sixty years zone. old too. And if you bring up their AAA first baseman, he's not going to have the same impact as a 38-year-old Albert Pujols, even not though even he's close. got a negative war. Right. There's a difference in that player. That it, The defense, the base running, I get why they want to do it. Okay, Bill James, the founder of Modern Analytics, says you can't approximate. It, it's, it's a guess. It's an estimator. You're, you're basically grouping players into like their value. Like this is, These players are really outstanding because they're this much over. Sure. But when even he, within that group, there's a hierarchy of players. Sure. But to say that Mike Trout leads the league in war, and that's why he deserves the MVP, is one of the biggest problems in our game today, I think. And I, I'm not a Mike Trout hater. I would love him on my team. He's yeah, a fantastic too. player. He is definitely top five. He had an incredible season. Now, we found in other areas like win probability and high leverage situations that he's not as great as some of the other guys. That's fine. He's still his production and what he brings to the table is still one of the best in baseball. But th- he was not the best player in baseball this year, and his statistics, even his normal statistics, don't suggest that. You know, they're talking about him on the same breath as as Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds blew away the competition, even with the help of performance enhancers. Everybody was doing, for the most part, performance enhancers. They still blew away the competition. Ted Williams blew away the competition. Babe Ruth blew away the competition. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Ty Cobb blew away the competition. Mike Trout isn't blowing away the competition. I mean, when you look at the numbers, he's still striking out a ton. He only had 11 stolen bases last year, this past year. He struck out 20% of the time. Bregman struck out 12% of the time. Bregman had 10 more doubles. I mean... But Brett, but Mike Trout had 7.1 base running versus negative 2.1 for Bregman. I, you know, Trout had six more stolen bases. How is the value that significantly different in base running to, to be able to determine, which is a subjective measurer. We've already, we've already figured that out based on what Fangraphs listed it as. And that's where the problem lies for me. It's like this is there's too much subjectivity in the stat. You're combining all these different numbers to come up with the, who the best player is, and then you're basing your MVP on on subjectivity of of this is this player shouldn't have grounded into this double player should have, or this player should have taken an extra base or shouldn't have. Like Mike Trout needs to take an extra base because there's nobody behind him. That's oh, right. Robert Pujols, you know, or something like that. Right. Where. Well, Alex Bregman has the, the game situation or, too, or Carlos Correa, or right. You know, Bregman may not go first to third because there's nobody out, and he's got three guys behind him that can really hit. The other thing is, is the game situation. The other thing that is taken into consideration is who the outfielders are. Where's the base hit? Was the ball hit hard? Was the ball hit not hard? Did the outfielder have to go to his glove hand as opposed to his throwing hand? All those things come into play. The other issue that I have is you can't... The only way to evaluate a player's defensive ability is with your eyes. Mm-hmm. The only way. Because you can't look at, like, thing When you watch the game, you're like, should have caught that ball. Mm-hmm. Or there's no way he's going to catch that ball. The other thing about war is they throw in these defensive metrics. And again, on the Fangraph website... It says that players that have a that are more offensive are going to just have a higher war period rather than the defense because the defense we don't really know how to calculate. Well, if you don't really know how to calculate it, it's that. not exact. Why are you putting that into the calculation when you flat out know this really isn't a very good calculation, but we're going to use it anyway. We they don't even have pitch framing in for catchers, which is probably one of the most important tools that a catcher has. But at least they know you can't quantify. Pit. You can't quantify, so they don't have it in there, right? So you can't really have a UZR. You can't really have an ultimate zone rating for a catcher. You all pass balls and block balls, you know? But again, that's based on how much the pitcher is throwing the ball in the dirt. You know, we know that catching is the hardest position. They actually give, when they do the metrics on the defense, they give arbitrary numbers to catchers. So you have like a negative number attached to you if you're a first baseman, a left fielder, or a right fielder. Right. 
Like, if you're a third baseman, it's not the same as a shortstop. But how they determine those numbers is out of whack. Like, they, 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 just, they just arbitrarily assign, well, if you're a shortstop or a catcher, you get 12.5 and 20.5 added to your value. Where, you, where did you get this number from? Well, we just know that it's harder, so right. we have to assign this value. I mean, when you actually go and break down how they came up with the, this statistic, I, I'm not, I'm an advocate for certain metrics. Like, the pitchers, are, they use FIP, which is basically eliminating everything outside of what the pitcher can control. Strikeouts, home runs, walks. I get that a little bit more. That makes a little bit more sense. The offensive stuff is out of control. It's crazy. Um, I just, I just don't, I just don't, I can't understand how our game has gotten to this point where we are using a made up subjective statistic where there is no baseline. The definition doesn't exist. There is no such thing as replacement level. It's, and, and, and all these websites will, will tell you that. And it's just become commonplace to say, to say he led the league in war. He has one of the best wars of all time against guys that can't even accumulate war because those numbers didn't exist back then. The ability to track a batter running base running or on video or defense didn't exist. So If you see a statistic that has Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, and uh, Ty Cobb's war in it, Throw it in the trash because it doesn't mean anything. It's made up. Um, that's that's our little rants about war. I wanted to get that off my chest. I've I said it for a long time. Listen, if, if you have a if you disagree with us, let us know. We're we're here. We, we'll discuss it. I mean, if you if you're a big war fan or if you think there's another statistic that that can be that can be utilized in a, in a way that sort of captures the value of a player, because I get it. Like you you want a value. You want to assign value. We want to like rank players based on value. And as, as people that have worked in the, in the game for a long time, I get why you want to do that. Right? Of course, yeah. You're constantly comparing. Scouting is one thing and one thing only. Constantly comparing and contrasting players to each other. That's it. That's all scouting is. Do you make up stats, though? No. I no. mean, you have a subjective tool grade. Sure. Right? And, right. That's subjective. and we know that it's subjective. Right. And we're not saying that this is the a definite, like, this guy is an 8 and this guy's a 5 and... I think the real issue is that we know war is incredibly subjective, yet it's being treated as if it is not. Okay. Yeah, that's a good way of summing it up. It's being treated as if it is a constant, reliable statistic, and it just it's just not accurate. So, but to the NL, I think Cody Bellinger over Yelich. Um, Yelich missed the last couple of weeks, right? Yelich. And you know you can't necessarily hold that against him, but Bellinger provides so much more to his club in terms of versatility. He could win a gold glove at first base. He could win a gold glove in center field. He could win a gold... I mean, he could win a gold glove in any outfield position at some point in his career. He could win a gold glove at first base. He's incredibly versatile. Um, I just think he was the MVP. Yeah. I mean, again, when you think about the year, the way he started and the way... I mean, he didn't finish great, but he's still like... From day one to the end of the day. Now, Yelich had a great second half again, but he got hurt. And you just think of... This is is the year of Cody Bellinger and Alex Bregman. Right. And Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Are we wrong for saying that? You know? And this is the year of Dave Martinez and the Nationals winning the World Series. Dave Martinez, by the way, went to the hospital for having a heart attack and he couldn't win. Right. That's how much he cared. You see him, he got thrown out of the World Series game. That's the manager of the year. Absolutely. Get out of here, everybody else. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So that's it. I mean, free agency is, you know, we're in it. But, you know, besides Will Smith signing, there hasn't been anything. We'll we'll get to that on the next podcast. Listen, if you you have a question, leave a comment on the SoundCloud page on Instagram. also, shoot us an email, baseballspypodcast at gmail.com. We're happy to hear from you. Uh, shout out to our our great intro music, Dino Sokio out there, Pleasure Love LA. Check it out. And um, the people that uh, make our great uh, hats and shirts that some of you are probably wearing right now, 3 and 2 Sports, we appreciate that as well. And, um, yeah, that's it for me, Louie. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And, as always, that's Boomer. This is Louie, and this is the Baseball Spy Podcast.